Last Sunday morning, we had a couple here visiting from another area of the state who still hasn't been open. And they came up to me afterwards with the family and said, we cried the whole time. And I said, honey, I only missed two weeks and I cried the whole time. And when we're here, I mean, we all know what it's like to be off those 10 weeks and then finally they open again. And we've gone through the ups and downs and changes and rearrangements and all of those things. But man, it's just so good to be together. And I don't want us to ever take that for granted. And the other thing is just how good we have what we have on Sunday morning. I know you know this, there's only two kinds of music, Christian and country. And I listen to both of them a lot. But I listen to a ton of Christian music and it's fascinating. I, I think sometimes it's even better on Sunday morning than what we hear through the radio. It's just such a great experience to be a part of here this morning. There were sermon notes at those tables that Joe mentioned where the offering boxes are. If you didn't get one of those, you can certainly do that. Well, as I begin here this morning. Last Sunday morning, Pastor Bob stood up here and said we have a couple coming to our community. We're not able to react to the field. One of our ministry partners, Dave and Deb. And of all the places in the world that they have chosen to live for the next few weeks, they've chosen Butler. Why not? It's a great community. And they just wanted me on behalf of all of you to say thank you. You exceeded their expectations more than you can imagine they found in their apartment when they moved in. And I'm not surprised CAC family has always been so incredible. So on their behalf, they wanted to thank you. Dave, Deb, I think you're here this morning. There you are, over there, Wave. Uh, delight to have you as our ministry partners, one of our missionary partners from overseas. And we are also glad that you chose Butler because we just don't think there's any other city like it. But we're glad you're here this morning, glad God led you our way. But thank you for everything you did for them. Last Sunday morning, we began a sermon series for only two weeks called The Promises of God, Promises, Promises, and I'm ending it today and wrapping it up. We all know what it's like to have someone promise us something and not necessarily come true. Many of you have been like me to a wedding and certainly in my case performed them where a couple stood in this stage or another stage like it, looked into each other's eyes and said, I promise I'll stay with you to the end of time. I promise I'll stay with you to the end of time. And they meant it at the moment. But then for whatever reason, a number of reasons down through the years, they failed to keep that promise. And the broken promise not only affects those two, but many other people around them. And you know the pain, if you've ever lived through that or been in a situation where someone promised you that depth of love and commitment, whether it be a family member or somebody else in your life that didn't keep that, you know the pain that you feel when you feel let down that deeply. For those of you who are parents, you understand the other extreme of that. How many of you have had a child come to you and say, if you let me have a puppy, I promise I will take care of it forever. And if you've had a, a, a child come to you and ask that, how many of them kept that promise? Let me see those hands. Okay, oh yeah, the child says they kept the promise. Yeah, you say you kept the promise. I want to talk to your mom as to whether or not you kept the promise. But they all do that, right? Can I have this puppy? Can I have this kitten? Can I have this gerbil? Can I have this fish? You know, whatever it may be, I promise I'll take care of it. And I'm telling you, you'll spend the rest of your life praying for that thing to go to glory. Because now you're the one taking care of it. I said to my wife one day, I, you know, being a dad is one thing. Flushing the guppy was not a problem. Burying the guinea pig was a delight. But then you come to that point where it's a, it's a dog that has been in your family for 12 or 14 years. And, and I called my wife and I said, this being a dad on this end of it really stinks. 
But you all know what it's like to have someone promise you a lot and not necessarily deliver. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that whatever God promises you, He will do. Whatever God promises you, He will do. He will keep His promise. All the way through Scripture, we said last Sunday morning, there are hundreds and hundreds of them. Of things that God has promised that He would do. And I'm here to tell you, and His Word clearly tells us, He will keep every single promise. The Apostle Paul found himself in a very unusual situation, and he writes about it in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians probably one of the most honest reflections of a missionary follower of God that you'll ever find that somebody has written down about all the ups and downs and the emotions that go with it. The Apostle Paul, many of us know, sitting here this morning, I have no idea where you are spiritually and what you understand of the Word of God. Many will call the first missionary. He actually wasn't. It was a Gadarene demoniac, a man who was filled with demons that Jesus just liberated and set free. And the thing that he told that man, he said, I just want to follow you. I want to go everywhere you go, Jesus. And Jesus said, that's great. I appreciate that. But what I really want you to do is go and tell everybody. Now that message, go and tell everybody, is a message that we follow for the rest of our lives when we follow Christ. Whether it be here, there, or everywhere, around the world, or right next door. Go and tell somebody what you have found. The freedom that you have found from me. The freedom that we sang about here this morning. Paul also heard that call of God and followed that call and began to establish churches and take the gospel everywhere he went. His passion was not only to reach the Jews who had been a recipient of the promises of God for centuries and centuries, but to reach those who haven't yet heard that message yet. And he established churches everywhere. One of those churches was in Corinth. He visited them on a couple of occasions and promised that he would come back and do that, but you know and I know things don't always go as planned. Anybody have ever found that out? Did anybody ever find out that life doesn't always go as planned? And it didn't go as planned. And the Corinthians began to question Paul's integrity. He promised he would come and visit us and you didn't. It's one thing to make a statement. It's another thing to feel your integrity is being questioned. And, and Paul responds to that. And he said, I know you feel like I just made a willful decision and said it would come and didn't and really didn't mean to keep the promise. And it really wasn't made that way, but I'm telling you, the promises of God are always going to be yes. The promises of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 are always, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Back in the Old Testament, God called a people, called the children of Israel, or the Israelites, to be his special people. And made a covenant with them. If you follow me, I'll do everything you can imagine and then some. All I ask in return is obedience. God who has all the resources of heaven says, all I ask if you decide to follow me is, is obedience. We have access. You and I have access to every single one of the resources of God that will so overflow you, it will be like a, a water fountain just flowing down. So much so that it will be sometimes hard to contain. Probably only a few of you here this morning have ever held a three-inch fire hose in your hand. Like I have at times, and I've done it a couple of times, and all of a sudden the fire truck guy goes like this, and the water just goes. And if you're not standing on it, holding it, or sitting on it, it's going to go everywhere, right? And the power is overwhelming. God says, I just need you to know my blessings will be like the rivers and gushing waters of heaven. You've got access to everything I've ever promised you. All I want is access to everything you have. 
which to be honest with you, if you look at the arrangement, it's not a bad arrangement. God who has everything, we who have nothing, says, I'll give you everything. All I ask is you follow me and be obedient to my word. What I did last Sunday morning is just give you 15 of them. There are hundreds of them in the word of God, all the way through scripture. God promises to hear our prayers almost as it leans a, a, an ear over heaven to hear the cries of his children. And scripture telling us that in Revelation chapter 20, it's almost that I've kept them. Any of you who are parents, any of you who had anybody who was in the military, especially long ago when we actually wrote the hand letter. You know there's a thing called pencil and paper. I don't know if you've ever noticed that in your home. It's a fascinating tool. It actually, you write on it and it keeps things there on a piece of paper. And they used to send them to one another. And then you have all these stories of somebody coming home from overseas and, and they kept them all. Section of scripture that seems to remind us that God says, Look, I've, heard, look, I've kept all your prayers. I mean, I've prayed so many prayers in a, in, in a day that I don't even know if I can keep track. God says, I, I just need to know I hear you. Promises to preserve the church in the midst of persecution, no matter what the church goes through, they, it is his pride, and he will protect it. Reward us for being faithful, never withdraw his presence. Receive and help those who come to him and send his son back to earth someday. And I'm telling you, that's the one I'm looking forward to as well. He promises number seven, as we left off last Sunday morning, to never leave us, never forsake us, never leave us comfortless. Promise, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Go back to that promise that a couple may have made, or a mom or a dad may have made, and then left for some reason or the other. I had a gal tell me years and years ago, when do I ever get over that? I'm 35 years old, and I've not gotten over it. They said I would adjust us not. God says, I need you to know, I'll never leave. I will never, ever forsake you. I will never leave you comfortless. I'll never leave you as an orphan. Like you're on your own. My wife and I have compared our families through the years, and one of the things we've noticed over the last five or ten years is that more of her family is in heaven than on earth. More of my family is on earth than in heaven. Her mom died when I was in her 20, late 20s, and died at an early age. Of, I think her mom was 57. And a number of years or shortly after we moved here, her dad died. And her brothers died, and uncles and a lot of her family were all in glory, and praise to God for that. We were headed to the funeral home for the viewing of her dad. You know how the family always goes first before the rest of the people come in. And she was on her way in, and we were driving there, and she said, you know, it's kind of interesting. I found myself today knowing that now I'm an orphan. You know, mom's gone, dad's gone, and I'm an orphan. Never thought of that before. And we drove in and got settled. The funeral director went up to her and said, Tom, she was the eldest, and said, Connie, I wanted your dad's Bible to be in the casket with him. And so I put it in there, and I opened it up just to a page that I, I, I randomly selected here. But you go in and you look at it, and you put it wherever you want to put it. And Tom went up to the casket and looked down looked at immediately a verse right there that he had told them that was from John chapter 14 that said, I will not leave you and orphan. She looked at him and said, that's perfect. Never leave you. Never forsake you. Has a purpose for our difficulties. We know that all things God works for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We know that verse, or at least many of us know that verse. We just don't like anybody to repeat it when we're going through difficult times. 
All things work together for good to those who love God and call according to his purpose. We know it. We just don't like anybody to tell us that when we're going through those deep waters. Because we just want to go through those deep waters for a moment and try to figure out how to deal with them, how to respond. But somebody in love and grace reminds us of the promises of God that every single one of them have a purpose. Even though at the time we may not realize that or fully understand it. And to be honest with you, even like it. But they have a purpose. Peter reminds us of that as well in 1 Peter when he said, look. I need you to know those things that you're going through are really difficult. They're going to be short. You and I are going through them and say they don't seem short. But he said, I, I just need you to know they, they have value. Matter of fact, you have so much value. You're more precious than gold. At that point, history is still one of those precious, precious commodities of gold. And he said, I need you to know that you're more precious than gold. But sometimes I've got to take you some things and through some things to take off the rough edges. But I'm going back to my word before. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you in the middle of it all. Number nine, you always provide a way out of temptation. One of the things that I said in the first service here this morning, I said perennially, is that when I began to think about the fact that I'm retiring in a few months, what are the things that I would love to share? And one of the things that I thought of a, a couple of months ago is go through Scripture and all of those verses that we sometimes misapply. I want to talk about that. Because I think there are a few of them that many times we have misapplied. One of the ones that I hear often is, God will never give me any more than I can handle. God will never give me any more than I can bear. Many times they'll hold this section of scripture. And we like that thought that God won't give me any more than I can bear. But we many times use this scripture. Look what it says. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You know the conclusion that you need to draw from that, that I need to draw from that? Is that there is always a way out. And there are no excuses for giving in. There is always a way out of temptation. Temptation is normal. Every single one of us have gone through it. Scripture even describes Jesus going through it in two different sections of Scripture. Temptation is normal. We all deal with it. I deal with it. You deal with it. All God's children is dealt with it. Sometimes it's very large. Sometimes it's very small. But it's normal. Every single one of us go through it. But what he reminds us is, I promise you, I will always provide a way out. So that you don't have to give in. And you can't ever use the phrase, well, I just couldn't help myself. Yes, it could. Because he provided a way out. He promised that he would do. Psalm 9, the Lord is my refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in time of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Number 10, never give up on us when we make mistakes. We've all felt sometimes like children when I messed up again, Lord, will you somehow help me through this? I'm delighted to know I'm confident of this. Paul says that he who began that good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love. All who call upon you. I'm sure that some of you made at least one mistake this week. I, I made one a couple of months ago. It was just uh, unreal. You know, I mean, we all make them, but just to know that even when we mess up. Now, Paul very clearly said, don't keep taking advantage of God's grace and know he's going to do that, forgive you. But just to know that when we mess up, he's there to remind us of his love and his grace and to walk through. 
Number 11, he gives qualities and ability to accomplish his will. God will never call you to do something that he won't supply the necessary ingredients and the abilities and the qualities that are needed to do that. You and I, Ephesians 2, are God's handiwork. You and I are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus in advance for the good works he has prepared in advance for us. If you sense God calling you, whatever that may be, to do whatever that may be, he will promise and he will deliver that I'll do whatever it is that you need to have to carry out what I've called you to do. That doesn't mean I just figure out whatever I want to do and then do it. He's going to help. Now, whatever he's calling you to do, he will provide necessary ingredients. Number 12, provide for our physical and spiritual needs. Uh, my God will supply all your needs. There are two words that you need to underline in that phrase. I got a lot of, I always tell you, bring your Bible. And not all of you do, and I, I know we've got so many mediums now. It's incredible, but I, I love to underline words in my Bible. And this is one of our favorite verses. I'm sure if you've been a believer, you've all quoted that verse, God will supply on my knees according to his riches in Christ Jesus. There's two words that you need to underline. One is all, and the other is needs. <laughs> Not all my wants, but all my needs. Those of you who are raising kids and grandchildren, they, they want a lot. I've got a grandchild that knows what he wants for Christmas 2029. I mean, we, we laugh about it all the time in our home. You know, one of those phrases, Pat, I know what I want for Christmas. I know what I want for my birthday. Boom. But we've got to get through these last, these next three. Because you're way down the road here. He will supply all of my life. needs. And according to what? His riches. Which are endless. So the supply is pretty large. I love Matthew 11. Come to me when you're weak and heavy burden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. That's another word you need to underline. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Malachi 3, God says, well, you bring, you, you trust me with your tithes and offerings. You trust me with everything I've given you, and recognize that I've given it to you. It's not yours. I've given all of you. All I'm asking is 10%. If you trust me in that, I'll open the windows of heaven and blow your mind. More than you can hold. And I can tell you story after story after story of an individual who said, okay, God, we don't make a lot of money, but I'm going to trust you in this. And God blew them away with what he was able to do because they trusted his promise. Number 13, give wisdom and guidance to those who seek it. If any of you lack wisdom, ask God. 14, confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Oh, I'm so thankful for that verse. Number 15, someday he'll put an end to evil and death. I've done 240 weddings and probably 450 funerals in my 40 plus years of ministry. And the older I get and the more funerals that I do, the more I look forward to one of the verses that I read in Revelation when it says there'll come a day when there's no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. And I began ministry a long time ago and I didn't think much about that verse. And then as years went by and more verses that I did, more sermons that I did, more messages that I did, and then more funerals that I did, more people I fell in love with, the more difficult it was to say goodbye. Because I'm not, not saying goodbye to parishioners, I'm saying goodbye to friends. And I look forward to that day when he said, hey, there's going to come a day, you got to trust me, there's going to come a day there's no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more tears. And I'm telling you, that's a day 
you want to make sure you're ready for it. Because he promises that it will come. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and we did that thief in the night and distant thunder. We tried to scare everybody into heaven and made them remind us of what Scripture was going to be like that someday we're walking in this world. All of a sudden, Christians just take off and leave this world like Jesus did in Acts. And then we, we, you know, we did the best we could, and then the years went by, and then all of a sudden, somewhere in the, and I don't even know when they came out, the Left Behind series, that, you know, as life goes by, and Tim LaHaye comes up with another idea, like, this is a brand new idea, we're going to try to scare people into heaven, and they have out this Left Behind series, and I wanted to call them out and say, we did that in the 70s, too, you know? But it was just a reminder that we can't take life for granted, because Jesus, who very clearly said, I'm leaving, I will come back. Now take it, leave with me. These are just some of the promises of God. Now, what I've done, I've overloaded you with Scripture, which is why they're all in there. For, for a number of reasons, but this one specifically. There's an answer in the Word of God for everything. There is an answer in the Word of God for everything, but you need to be in it. Breakpoint is one of my favorite things that come in my mailbox every day. And uh, John Stroh Street said this. Every day, listen to this. Every day, approximately 500 million tweets are tweeted. 4 million hours of video added to YouTube, and 4.3 billion Facebook messages are posted every day. If a single person were able to view all the information uploaded on the internet in the last 24 hours, it would take longer than the span of recorded human history to go through just the last 24 hours. The mistake is the assumption that with the deluge of information, we're better informed and no more. And then he goes on to say, all of this underscores the fundamental myth of the information age. Access to information is not the same as knowing. And knowing isn't the same as using or applying the wisdom that God has clearly presented in his word. So why do some Christians leave beneath their privileges? Why do we sometimes walk around with long faces as if we have no God and no protector? Some people even think, God, if you could just, I promise you, if you would just answer this one, I'll follow you forever. I'll be your child. I just need you to get me through this one. Kind of like Jacob, one of my favorite stories of Jacob, the Old Testament, Genesis 28. Listen to this. If you know it, you know it. But Jacob made a vow. This is what he said. If God be with me on this journey and watch over me that I am taking and give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. God, if you just get me through this mess. As a matter of fact, one translation says, if you keep my shoes from wearing out. Seriously? I mean, it's one thing to ask God to get me through the day. Get me on this journey, supply all of my needs, make sure my shoes don't wear out, make sure I get to where I need to be, and then I promise God I will follow you. And we all look at that and say, that's insane. Who would do that? Sometimes we do. Incredible story where God just simply said, look, I have so much for you, you can't hold it all. you just got to trust me. I want to bless you. I want to take care of you. I want to protect you. I want to meet all your needs. All I ask is you obey me. And God says it over and over again in his written word, his spoken word. Other religions are the opposite. Other religions in the world are saying, look, if you do this, God, your God will do that. And if you don't, he's going to get you. God starts out in the positive. Look, I love you. I've got every resource imaginable for you. Do you trust me? Will you follow me? There are reasons, I have in your sermon notes, why 
God does that for them and does that for us as well. One is for their stability and he does it for ours as well. Children of Israel are so inconsistent, not like you've ever heard of anybody like this. So up and down, so good and bad, so hot and cold, God says, I just want you to be on solid <coughs> Kind of like Joshua in the Old Testament where he looked at the children of Israel and said, okay, you make up your mind, but me and my house, we're serving God. And Elijah in the book of Kings said, look, you've got to decide which God are you going to follow? The God who's done nothing for you or the God who has everything for you? But at some point, you're going to have to decide because it'll keep you on solid ground no matter what the world does and no matter what happens. Secondly, he wanted to bless them, not only them, but their, their, their children, the next generation. God said, I want you to trust me so that you can pass along to the next generation what you had found in me. And thirdly, so they could bless other nations. I think that's one of the reasons that the United States has been so ridiculously, incredibly blessed by God. Whether anybody ever admit, I know we do, but whether they recognize or this country recognizes that we have been blessed by God, never to hold on with what we have, but to be a resource to the world around us. That's exactly what God wanted the Israelites to do. He overwhelmed them with blessing. When he was taking them out of Egypt to the promised land, he said, I'll take care of all your needs. I'll supply manna from heaven, which is just the bread falling down in the morning from heaven. You can gather it up. Some researchers said there's almost 2 million people that Moses had to take from Egypt all the way to the promised land, complaining every step of the way. And just the manna alone, God, for that many people, God would have had to provide 4,500 tons of manna every day. That's train loads, train cars. If you've ever been to East Buckle, wherever you've been, and you see the train going by with all the coal, train loads of manna every day. You, you think if God could do that, shower down that much manna from heaven, he could probably handle what you and I have to give and what we need. I want to do that for you, You have to decide if you take advantage of that or not. Two reasons why they fail, and sometimes Christians do as well, to believe all of God's promises is we fail to believe and claim those promises. See, it's one thing to know. It's another thing to apply. It's one thing to know what God has done in the past, but somehow to not understand it now. For those of us who grew up in church, we had a little ditty we sang years and years ago. Every promise in the book of mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm living in this love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. But somewhere along the way, we left that back in junior church. Second reason is that we fail to meet the condition of his promises, and that's obedience. Ask whatever you want. Keep my commands and do what pleases me. Oswald Chambers said, never try to explain God until you obey him. Because the only bit of God we understand is the bit we obey. Pearl Nightingale wrote a story read it a couple of times down through the years and heard it again a couple of months ago. It's a story of an African farmer who heard all of these stories about farmers finding diamond mines on their farm. Couldn't find anything on his, so he sold it to spend the rest of his life searching for that diamond mine. Never found it. Ended up depressed and despair. 
jumped in a river and drowned himself. The guy who bought his farm one day down by the stream on the farm picked up what he thought was just a beautiful piece of glass, put it on a mantle. A few weeks later, a visitor comes by and says, do you know what this is? He said it's one of the largest diamonds ever found. Only to find on that very piece of property was one of the largest diamond mines in the continent. And the guy who had access to all of it was searching someplace else and missed out on everything that was right beneath his feet. Incredible story. I'll say, oh, who would do that? <laughs> Even the times maybe I have. But instead of taking advantage of all the incredible riches of God's grace and everything he has, all the promises he's made. We wish for this or want for that or wish for something else. But all along, it's in front of us every day. Promises of God are overwhelming. So much so that if you really read them all and spent the next number of months reciting them and memorizing them, by the time you got to the end one, you'd probably forget the first one. They're incredible. But they're all in the Word of God. You and I have this unbelievable privilege of having it in front of us. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said, my word never will. Study it, learn it, embrace it, live it. It will be everything you'll ever want. And then some. God, I thank you for your word. It is incredible. Hundreds of translations, all kinds of People have tried to destroy it. Nations have tried to burn it. And you still sustain it. So Father, for those of us, your children here this morning, who have, many of us have grown up in church, and we have heard a lot of these promises, may we never forget the wonder of what it is that you're providing. For those who are recently coming to faith and trying to grasp it all, may you give us the passion to learn and study and explore because the depth and the riches are incredible. Thank you for giving it to us until we see you face to face. Thank you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Thank you for being here this morning. I'm so delighted that you continue to come. For those of you who are alive, get it, we understand you can't or are not able to come right now. We appreciate you being with us, and we hope that there will come a point where you can join us together. But until then, we'll, as Joe said earlier, keep offering that. So thank you for being here today. If I can pray for you in any way at all, we'd love to do that. God bless you. Remember, we're getting ready for another service. So uh, if you do have conversations out there, but if you need prayer, man, 